Welcome, welcome, welcome to Chromatic Distortion with Corey Caesar. Tuscles one two, Tuscles one two. What's going on, all you beautiful bastards and all you beautiful people that have a father in your life? Welcome back to Chromatic Distortion. I'm your host, that mildly sick Corey Caesar. This is that old English paper bag episode, episode forty. Pretty crazy. Thanks to all who uh, who have been a, a, along for the ride this entire time, and welcome to any new listeners. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, I'm recording this on Sunday the eighth, and it's early as fuck, but uh, I'm getting this in. Simply because uh, it's the first Sunday of football, guys, and your boy likes to partake. No apologies. Uh, you know, I play fantasy football. And I took last week off for the holiday, and it's a good thing I did simply because I got sick. And I got sick as fuck for about two weeks. Um, well, I guess this is the second week, and I'm not really sure if this week I, I've been sick. But um, two weeks ago, for sure, your boy was sick as fuck. Um, like I said, this week hasn't really been bad, but I'm, I'm, I'm still a little congested. So I do kind of apologize if I sound a little nasally, but, uh, man, dude, the week prior, my immune system was straight trash guys. That hoe must've taken a vacation or something. I don't know. She just was not existent. Um, and, and it kind of just started with that scratchy throat, had a little scratchy throat. Um, it kind of, it kind of moved to some head congestion and then, and then it dropped like a ball sack into my chest. And I, and I caught that cough, that, uh, you know, and uh, basically a chest cold or bronchitis, if you want to be bougie about it, you know, bronchitis, same difference, really. Um, I, I, I was I was simply just more concerned uh, about that chest cold developing into pneumonia, because that's what can happen when you get all that mucus in your chest and start dropping down into your lungs. That's how you get pneumonia in case you uh, case you didn't know. But I don't really do the doctor. You know, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really like the doctor. I don't really do it. I don't really do it very often. Uh, you know, I just want to die when I when it's time for me to die. I don't really want to know. Um, so I went. I went. Uh, so I just kind of went hard, like I always do, on that day quill, night quill regimen while I was in my head. And then uh, I switched to that thermoflu though uh, when it dipped into my chest to break up that chest mucus because um, it has like that that chest decongestant in it. So I like to rock that. That thermoflu work good. It breaks it up real nicely. Um, but now I think I'm pretty much just dealing with allergies because my sinuses kind of in my face, like behind my cheekbones. You can feel that pressure build up um, every every so often, and I get that real bad headache right now. And I'm still getting a little bit of the uh, the, the sinus mucus, but it's real clear, you know. And, and mostly, actually, through, throughout my whole sickness, it was clear except for one day. You know, it started changing that color. And then I got a little worried. I'm like, man, am I gonna be really like really sick, sick? Like I don't, I don't get sick, sick like that usually. And uh, it was just one day, and boom, back right back to clear. So uh, I was happy about that. Um, anyway, um, basically, I've been diseased up. So speaking of diseases, 
it's a good transition because I want to kind of do this episode anyway. And this this episode might be a little shorter. I don't really know how long it's going to take me to get through it, but I think it might be a little bit shorter. Um, I, I, like I said, I've been sick, had my fantasy football drafts, so I didn't get time to prepare a ton for this. Um, basically did it all on yesterday, just kind of throughout my day, just, just real random, real easy. Um, but if you didn't, if you didn't know, if you weren't aware, uh, medieval diseases, they coming back, they making a comeback and they are infecting, uh, the California, uh, homeless right now. And, and it's, uh, uh, typhus, tuberculosis and other illnesses. And they're spreading pretty quickly through these, uh, encampments and shelters, now, these are infectious diseases, so, you know, you can't spread them from person to person. Um, and some of these same ones have ravaged uh, ravaged populations, you know, during the Middle Ages. And they're kind of uh, they're kind of resurging right now in California and actually around the country. And uh, they're hitting the homeless population uh, especially hard. And we need to pay attention to this. We, 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 we need to pay attention to what's going on in our communities. Um, I know, I know I said, I've said this multiple times, quit worrying about everybody else's shit. Worry about yourself. If you, if you look around your, your community and you see someone in need, help them quit worrying about the people 2000 miles away from you. Start at home, start with your shit. That's how you clean it up. That's how you make the world better. You can't judge people from afar and then expect them to do something and you're not even looking in your own backyard. Okay. That, that's how you make change. That's how we start this thing. That's how you do change. You lead by example. And you start in your backyard. You clean your shit. Michael Jackson said it. Uh, 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 look in the fucking mirror, guy. Simple. So if, if you were not aware that we're having this, this crisis, there are large parts of California. And, and they are experiencing, experiencing and I'm just going gonna, gonna to say it, it's a homeless epidemic. And it has turned into a real health crisis. Now, um, the biggest issue with the homeless in California is that sanitation has been ignored by the city. Okay. The sanitation circumstances around the homeless encampments has broken down to a point that I don't think that we've ever seen. I mean, certainly not in the history of this country, the United States of America, and probably not anywhere else in the last 800 years, if we're going to be honest about it. It is an absolute complete breakdown where the people living on the streets are defecating and urinating literally on the streets and every excrement, every byproduct of what they're eating, what they're injecting, uh, uh, and everything else is just piling in the streets. On some streets, it's literally two stories high. And, and that's not, I'm not being hyperbolic here. This, this is real life. These gigantic unsanitary accumulations, they're they're profound. I don't I don't really know other any other way to explain it. And they're all over the city. And by the city, I mean the San Diego Valley. And that stretches all the way to the beaches. It's basically spilled everywhere. It's it's un, it's just uncanny. Now, this is causing the rat population, which carries many of these infectious diseases that we're talking about to explode. And California has passed laws that you can't just go in and clean this shit up because it's their personal belongings. It don't matter how soiled they are. And 
if you don't, and, and the, again, not being hyperbolic, there are reports of people actually balling up feces, balls of feces, and then claiming you can't touch my feces because it's my personal property. And I'm all about property rights, but, uh, um, feces, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I think once you poop it out, I don't, I don't think you really, I don't, um, because it'd be, it's a, it's an, it's a, almost a, a, it's an aggression on me. If you're, if you're, uh, allowing your disease to just come up all over me and you're not, you're not taking the proper steps to get rid of it. Definitely people are willing to take it off your hands. Let's be serious about it. Um, now, now you have these encampments, you have these, um, homeless, these tent cities, this feces, this pile up of garbage, um, on the sidewalks in front of restaurants and businesses, restaurants you want to eat at businesses you want to shop at. You, you want to eat at a, uh, at a restaurant when there's a uh, shit and piss, uh, 10 feet from, from you on the sidewalk. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to, I don't really want to do that. It's, uh, and not, not to mention all this shit and piss, it's it's going into the sewers and the drainage systems. It's going back into your drinking water, and it's going into the oceans, polluting it. So all you environmentalists, for you too. Um, so some, um, some health officials actually even fear that we are at real risk right now, guys, for bubonic plague making an appearance again to slap its dick in our faces. So that's what we're just going to let bubonic plague come in. Whip its dick out, slap us in the face, and uh, it'll be cool. It'll, it'll all be good. We'll all be happy at least, right? We'll be woke. Um, so, so these health officials, they are begging, man. They're begging for a health emergency to be declared. But um, California's being real slow about it. They don't really want to. It's bad publicity. It doesn't look good politically. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't look good for the the loudest of the virtue signals signalers to uh, to have this going on in their backyard. Um, so what better time, right? What better time with these medieval diseases on the rise and my lingering sickness, um, to talk about a few of these pandemics and epidemics that have festered throughout history. So uh, let's just jump right in. So we're going to start with the plague of Athens, which decimated the city in the second year of the Peloponnesian war, destroying, uh, Athenian hopes of victory at the same time. Um, the plague almost certainly entered the city through the port of Piraeus. Um, having begun in sub-Saharan Africa and moved along trade routes. Now, um, that's a common theme. A common theme for these diseases to spread is along trade routes simply because you're having the human interaction from people from different areas that have never really interacted uh, very much um, to begin with. So they're just bringing new things, not only goods and services, but also, you know, that, that virus and bacteria when they, when they do that little sneeze, sneeze. And let's be honest with you, I bet you there was a lot of fucking... Dude, I bet you there was a lot of fucking on them trade routes, dude, back in the day. We talking, you know, we talking back, this is 430 BCE. A long time ago, man. I bet you there was some dirty fucking going on, spreading some dirty, dirty diseases. Um, now, smaller outbreaks occurred throughout the eastern Mediterranean at the time. Um, the plague reoccurred several times over the next few years in 429, and in the winter of 427 to 426 BCE. Now, if you caught that, I did count down, not up, 427 to 426. That's because we're in BCE here. Um, if you didn't know, BCE counted the other way. So we counted down to zero, and now we're counting up 
from zero. That's the easiest way to the um to describe it. So 427 to 426. That's why I said it that way and not the reverse. The more you know. Uh, while traditionally this was believed to have been one of the first outbreaks of actual bubonic plague, more recent research uh, into these symptoms have suggested other causes. But it's hard to tell because, like I said, this was a long ass fucking time ago. The, descript, uh, the descriptions provided by classical writers suggest measles, smallpox, or even typhus. Uh, a DNA analysis of tooth pulp in th- uh, of three of these victims, though, of the plague has shown genetic evidence of typhoid fever. However, the symptoms of typhoid fever do not effectively match um, the descriptions of this plague from other writers. So other scholars have suggested, based on descriptions of the illness and the level of contagion, that it was a sort of hemorrhagic fever, not unlike Ebola. Um, Some authors describe bloody or black discharge from the mouth, nose, and eyes. A few scholars have even suggested that this was an early outbreak of Ebola. Um, In in total, the plague of Athens killed between one-third and two-thirds of of the population of Athens. Most of those infected died, typically within seven to nine days of showing symptoms uh, of illness. So it was very rapid. It was very quick. And just to put those numbers into, into perspective, um, one-third to two-thirds uh, using our country, using America, United States of America, we have uh, roughly 330 million people here right now. So if we lost one-third to two-third, we would be losing uh, anywhere from 110 million to 220 million people. Gang, gang. I mean, fuck, bro. Uh, that would be in, uh, insane. It'd be astronomical. We wouldn't even know what to do with the bodies, guys. Um, the city of Athens was overcrowded, um, leading to the rapid spread of the illness from one person to another, similar to how we talked about on that trade route, either via uh, uh, coughing, breathing, touching, um, just bad sanitation, you know, bad uh, uh, bad hygiene practices. And, and I, you know people were fucking hard back then. Let's be real about it. Um, because what else was there to do, bro? There ain't no TV, ain't no internet. It's either work, and f- it's work, eat, and fuck. Um, before the plague struck, the population of Athens um, was between 250,000 and 300,000 people. So the death toll of this wa- may have well have reached nearly 200,000 people. Moving on, uh, the Antonine Plague, sometimes called the Plague of Galen. Um, It began in 165 CE, um, and this plague reached Rome from the Near East, carried by marching Roman troops. Ooh, so the military spread this bullshit. Oh, excuse me. Um, Chinese records show the existence of plague around the same time, so this may have been related uh, it's likely that the plagues in each region shared the same source. Um, and, and it, it, it uh, let's see. Um, so it basically started, it spread along Roman roads and it reached Gaul or modern day France, uh, as well as other parts of Europe. The Roman empire was quite connected at this time. So it provided easy pathways for uh, the spread of this illness. So they had um, roads and they had, cities and they had a very good system to connect each other which was why this was able to um, spread so easy so if you think about us 
if we have these diseases starting and they, they think about how easy it would spread for us. I mean, we, we are, we travel a lot. People travel all the time, every day in the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people every day are moving from state to state, um, freely. So just, just think about how easy this can become a real issue for us. If something, if something major happens, um, now, based on the description of the, the illness, this plague may have been smallpox or measles. Um, Gallen in 168 describes the plague as involving fever, diarrhea, uh, pharyngitis, which is basically a sore throat, and a rash. And this rash was either dry or with pustules, um, <laughs> them, them, them blisters with pus, uh, if you will. Um, based on the timeline of the illness, smallpox, perhaps an unusually severe variety, was the likely cause of the Antonine Plague. There were frequent reoccurrences of the same illness over the next 15 years. Um, later writers suggest that many towns and villages lost their entire populations, guys. Within 15 years, they had killed approximately 30% of the population of the Roman Empire. Uh, in the city of Rome alone, in 178, around 2,000 people were dying each and every day. Uh, and at least one Roman emperor likely felt victim. The Roman army, well-fed and supported by the standards of the time. So these guys had the good sanitation. They had the good food. They had the good water. They had whatever bullshit medications they had at the time. They even were hit hard. And they lost one out of every 10 soldiers. So about 10%, so about one-third of what uh, the normal population was losing, which actually caused significant military weakness. Um, and it weakened not only the army, but obviously it also weakened the economy and trade in the Roman Empire. Um, as with later bouts of the plague, relig uh, religious fervor increased and access to education and necessary services decreased in the face of a public health crisis. Um, the Antonine Plague may have actively contributed to the weakening and even the eventual uh, eventual fall of the Roman Empire. So now, it, so disease will not only topple you, it can topple empires, guys. And the, the Roman Empire, one of the strongest ever. Um, moving on, we have the Plague of uh, Justinian. And it's one of the most extreme instances of death and disease in recorded human history because um, this death toll reached millions. The plague began uh, in other parts of the, uh, the Byzantine Empire, reaching the capital city of Constantinople uh, a year later in 542. Um, even the emperor uh, Justinian himself contracted the plague, but he survived because he was a gangster. Outbreaks continued for the next 200 years. 200 years, guys. 200. Uh, that's like a majority of uh, our history as a country. 200 years. This fucking plague kept having outbreaks. That's fucking insanity. And uh, it, it, it impacted not only the massive uh, Byzantine Empire, but also the Sassanid Empire and port cities around the Mediterranean as well. Um, the cause of the plague is not known. This was one of the first confirmed instances, though, of uh, Yersinia 
uh, pestis. And this is the same bacteria that caused the Black Death 700, 700 years later. So it, it's a deadly killer. and it, It's going to rear its ugly head a lot on this list. Um, uh, deaths may have totaled as many as 25 to 50 million people over the course of the pandemic or more than 13% of the global population at the time. 13% of the global population, guys. 7 billion-ish people on the population. So, guys, we're talking in today's standards, and I don't have the real, I'm going to do like real bougie math in my head, and I, I know this ain't going to be right because we're dealing with big numbers here, but uh, a 700 million, I believe, would be 10% of that. So we had another 3%. I'm a, I'm gonna dude, you're talking like man, bro. Uh uh a million people or, or a billion people, right around a billion people, 13% of the global population right now would be about a billion people. We'd lose a billion people to this pandemic. Fucking crazy. Um now the pandemic should be considered global. Although, of course, people in the Americas and elsewhere were unharmed. There wasn't really no, no one was there yet. Um, that, you know, like no, no one was, I, I, I say there in parentheses. Um, there were people there, obviously, but there was no connection. No one knew. No one else in the, in the. I, I mean, this might sound bad, in the civilized world, if you will, at, uh, 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 knew that this place existed. Let's put it that way. Um, um, so, um uh, genetic studies have shown that the origins of Yersinia pestis, uh, pestis for this plague were in China. So it started in China. Um, this was the first recorded uh, 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 historical instance of bubonic plague. So this is the very first time that we that we know that it reared its ugly head. Um, the city of Constantinople imported massive amounts of grain to feed the people. It's likely that the plague arrived on ships stocked with grain from Egypt and, of course, with uh, a bunch of food. Definitely back then, this food was also infested with rats, which were also carrying this disease. Welcome. Uh, that's why we're that's why we're, we're talking about this, because the same shit's going on in California right now. Um, the Byzantine historian uh, uh, Procop Procopius recorded the plague in Egypt in 541, according to him, at its height. The plague killed ten thousand people per day in the city in the city of Constantinople. Ten thousand per day. Um, while this number may not be accurate, the city was certainly dealing with massive numbers of deaths, issues with body disposal, just like we would, and economic and legal disruptions, just like we would. Um, the plague significantly weakened the Byzantine Empire when it struck um, Justin, uh, Justinian's army. Uh, they were on the verge of reclaiming Italy and re and reuniting East and West in a single empire for the first time since the division of the Roman Empire. Um, it, it did allow other groups, though, including the Goths and Anglo-Saxons, to gain power. The uh, Romano uh, Bretons relied heavily on trade with Gaul, so they were impacted by the spread of the plague as well and likely lost large numbers to it also. Um, more isolated Anglo-Saxons uh, Anglo were able to fill the void, gaining political power of their own. So we talked about it uh, just for a half a second. That was the first. Uh, that was the first instance of bubonic plague. Then we move on to the Black Death, um, 
which happened in 1331 to 1353. Um, and, it, and it decimated the population across Europe, Asia, and Africa in the 14th century. Not only did the Black Death cause massive numbers of death, it also facilitated significant uh, social change across Europe and elsewhere. Like the plague of Justinian, the Black Death was also caused by Yersinia pestis, um, which is carried and spread by rodent fleas, making transmission nearly inevitable. Uh, it likely or uh, originated in India or China, spreading along the Silk Road. As early as 1331, plagues began, uh, began in China, perhaps killing as many as 25 million people. In 1338 and 1339, graves in um, Kyrgyzstan, uh, they also record a plague. Perhaps the same, uh, Yersinia pestis. Um, and, and, and this, so this virus, it can cause three different variants of plague, right? It can, it can cause bubonic, it can cause uh, pneumonic, and it can cause septicemic. Uh, Okay, so bubonic plague is actually the least lethal of the three, which is what this was, but it still resulted in the death of 30 to 75% of those that contracted it. By the end of 1346, Europeans were aware that plague had already destroyed um, the populations of cities in India, Mesopotamia, Syria, and Armenia. Now, plague likely entered Europe through the um, Genoese ships fleeing plague elsewhere. These 12 ships quickly spread plague throughout port cities in Europe, including Venice, Marcellus, and pa uh, Pisa. By 1348, the Black Death had spread through France, Spain, uh, Spain Portugal, Italy, and England. It moved east into Germany and Scandinavia between 1348 and 1350, and then entered Russia in 1351. Between uh, uh, 1347 and 1351, it also spread throughout the Middle East, um, also along common trade routes. Isolated regions were less likely to experience it, um, obviously, than the more cosmo uh, cosmopolitan areas. Death rates varied depending on the region, but in Europe, around 45 to 50% of the overall population died with higher numbers in the south and lower ones in the east. In the Middle East, around 30% of the population perished. Uh, research suggests that the death toll in uh, Eurasia was between 75 and 200 million people, all the way back in 1300s. Uh, the dramatically reduced population led to a significant increase in quality of life, though, for the lower classes, because many of the survivors had inherited wealth and land uh, due to these deaths. But also, they could demand a, a much higher wage for their labor. Hashtag silver lining. Because they're, they're, you know, it's supply and demand. Your labor is supply and demand, guys. So if there's no demand for your labor, they're not going to pay you much. If there ain't very many of you, and they still need the job done, they'll pay you a little bit more. Because you're in a higher demand. You're just like a pro you're, you are a product. Your labor is a product, and you should use that to your advantage. Um, moving on, onward, we have the third pandemic. Um, 
and, and it shares some strong similarities with both um, the last two we just talked about, the plague of um, Justinian and the Black Death, because like both of these, it was also an outbreak of Yersinia pestis um, and, and, and originating once again in China. I mean, these Chinese, man, they really need to get their shit together. I'm just saying, because what the fuck, man? This is like the third or fourth one that started in China. Chinese just killing everybody. And in case you didn't know, Asian people, they are the majority of the world. I know you guys like to think the white people run the shit. I'm sorry. White people do not run this shit. White people are, are, are a minority in the world, in case you didn't know. And they're not even in the top three, I don't think. Um, anyway, um, while, while the, like, uh, while the plague originated in the Yunnan province of China, it spread through the rest of China due to political unrest at the time. Um, in Canton, 60,000 people died in only a few weeks. The numbers were higher in Hong Kong. And, uh, just real quick, um, cause, cause Hong Kong popped up. Just a real quick shout out to the homies protesting in Hong Kong right now, man. And they're they're protesting for their freedoms and liberties to not be stepped on. And I'm going to be doing an episode on Hong Kong here in the near future. And we're going to talk about uh, how this kind of all came about um, with the, if you didn't know, they have a, a, a weird political system. Uh, one country, two systems is what it's actually called. Um, and it's basically a constitutional principle um, that was adopted in 1997 after it gained its independence um, if you will, from Britain. So, um, you know, we will be talking about that. And 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 Hong Hong Kong, though, boy, uh, home of the freest economy for like twenty five straight years, guys. The freest economy, the most capital economy, for the last twenty five years straight. All while the breath of communist China is breathing down its fucking neck, desperately wanting to control it. Keep up the fight, man. Chromatic distor- uh, distortion. Uh, we're paying attention. I'm paying attention. I'm always paying attention uh, to the rest of the world during protests and, and what they're actually fighting for. And uh, we here, I, me personally, um, support any fight for liberty, big or small. So you have my support. We will do. We, we, I'm gonna be doing an. Uh, I'm gonna be doing an episode about you guys. Uh, uh, keep your hands up. Um. Uh. Anyway, back back to this plague which spread rapidly along shipping routes, reaching ports as far away as Australia and even San Francisco. Um, Cause we were a thing by then. Um, now two different strains of Yersinius pestis were common during the third pandemic. The first was bubonic, like we talked about. And then the second was of the new, pneumo- uh, 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 pneumonic uh, variety. Now um, pneumonic variant, was prevalent in Manchuria and Mongolia. Now, pneumonic plague likely uh, had strong person-to-person transmission, um, you know, from all that dirty fornicating that we were talking about. Uh, Most notably, the third pandemic did not die out quickly. In fact, reoccurrences of it continued well in the 20th century. Um, Colonial uh, India was particularly impacted, with 12.5 million people dying over a 30-year period. In India, the British developed a vaccine against bubonic plague in 1897 and began a vast, uh, a mass vaccination uh, campaign to reduce the prevalence of the illness. Um, now, vaccination at this time was not required by law, but the management programs created to reduce the plague were key in developing India's public health system. 
Uh, the latest significant outbreak occurred in Peru and Argentina in 1945. Uh, the third pandemic is considered to have ended in 1959. However, there are approximately 5,000 cases of plague each year still to this day. So did it really end? Eh. Um, new, new, pneumonic plague continues to have relatively high fatality rates um, if treatment is not initiated quite rapidly. Um, bubonic plague is typically successfully treated with antibiotics in today's world. Um, moving on, we had the third cholera pandemic, uh, generally, generally considered the most deadly of the seven cholera pandemics, and we're only going to talk about two of them today. Um, the third major outbreak of cholera in the 19th century lasted from 1852 to 1860. Like the first and second uh, pandemics, the third uh, originated in India spreading from the Ganges River Delta uh, before tearing through Asia, Europe, North America, and Africa, and ending the lives of over a million people. Uh, British, uh, British physician John Snow, and not the John Snow from, uh, not, not the one from the, uh, uh, what's, the what's the fucking, uh, the HBO show, man, Game of Thrones? Is that it? Uh, yeah. Right? No. Nah. What's the one? What's the one y'all y'all jokers watch? I don't know. Whatever. That dude. Not that dude. Uh, <laughs> so this guy, this John Snow, this British physician, uh, while working in a poor area of London, tracked cases of cholera and eventually succeeded in identifying uh, identifying contaminated water as the means of transmission for this disease. Now, unfortunately, the same year as his discovery, 1854. Uh, it actually went down as the worst year of the pandemic in which 23,000 people died in Great Britain alone. Um, and if you were not aware, real quick, because I like to, you know, I always like to bring in, uh, you know, I always like to bring in relative information. And I, I know I mentioned this before on the show, but we currently have an outbreak of cholera in Yemen right now. Um, and we can thank Saudi and Israeli forces, which are funded um, by the U.S. for this outbreak. It started under Obama. It's continued under uh, uh, under President Trump. And uh, if it was if it was me, if I had a choice, we could um, try and hang both of them for treason. Sorry, not treason, but uh, war crimes. And tre Obama got treason. Uh, why so serious? You can hear why. Um, but both of them. For they could both be charged for war crimes for this. This is a humanitarian issue. This is it, it's actually it's pretty disgusting that we're, that we're allowing this to continue. And uh, um, <clears throat> all the people that want to talk about how horrible America is and how we treat our people, um, a lot of it's bullshit. A lot of it's virtue signaling. We we do a really good job here taking care of people. Um, at least we try. There's a lot of rules and regulations that stop people from helping other people if it's not the government doing it it's real life um but if you really want to be some if you if you really want to um change something you can you can stop you can stop with your vote with your voice you can stop what we're doing in other countries you can stop that money you can stop with who we're supporting it's it's important like we're 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 causing the deaths of millions of people and we're causing the display display the displacing of tens of millions of people. This is this is this this uh cholera crisis and and the civil war in Syria is the reason why Europe is having an uh, 
is having a refugee crisis. It's the, this is the reason. We're displacing these people. They have nowhere to go. And we're causing all kinds of fucking unrest around, uh, uh, around the world. We need to stop. Anyway, sorry. I uh, get on my little anti-war tangents. I'm going forever. Um, moving on the, to the sixth cholera pandemic, which took place between 1910 and 1911, uh, like its five previous incarnations, the sixth uh, originated also in India, where it killed over 800,000 before spreading to the Middle East, North Africa, Eastern Europe, and Russia. Um, it was also the source of the last American outbreak uh, in 1910 and 1911. American health authorities, having learned from the past, quickly sought to isolate the infected. And uh, in the end, only nine—I'm uh, sorry—eleven deaths occurred in the U.S. By 1923, cholera cases had been cut uh, had been cut down dramatically, although it was still a, a constant in India. It basically, uh, fresh water—that's what we need to give these people: fresh water. So that's how easy it is to stop what's going on. And we actually have a epidemic. I know we covered it in one of the episodes. One of the uh, uh, current events episodes. I know that was one of the stories because the the World Health Organization did did um, say that Yemen was experiencing a health emergency, a crisis, an epidemic of cholera. So technically, we have one. We have one going right now. Um, the, uh, a real life epidemic happening right now could be on this list. I just didn't. I just didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't add it. Um, but anyway, moving on. Only got a couple more here. Uh, Spanish flu. Of 1918 to 1919, um, or the or or the influenza pandemic, if you will, and it killed between 20 and 40 million people in 1918 and 1919. Uh, the Spanish flu was more devastating than World War One in terms of the numbers lost. To put that in a little bit into perspective, um, and it was a, a, a ex- exceptionally severe and unusually lethal. Uh, like other plagues, this one spread with shipping, trade, and the movement of armies. Uh, fata- fatality rates were around 2.5%. In comparison to um, uh, Yersinia pestis, that seems quite low. However, the illness spread very easily, so infection rates were astonishing. So the flu spread a little quicker than the bubonic plague, right, than that virus. So, so while it wasn't um, as lethal, it was easier to contract. Um, in addition, the majority of deaths came in individuals between 20 and 40 years of age. <clears throat> this is a direct opposition um, to the normal deaths associated with influenza, which typically kills the very young and very old. Um, there is relatively little understanding of the specifics of the Spanish flu, but it is believed to have originated and uh, with a genetic mutation in, you guessed it, China. This was not the first flu pandemic, although because uh, uh, another severe strain of influenza had impacted much on the world in 1890. Those that had survived the flu in uh, 1890 had some resistance in uh, 1918 because, you know, they had built up their immune system a little bit to a form of the virus. Um, treatments available were minimal. Scientists were aware of and understood microorganisms at the time, but um, they believed that influenza was bacterial, not viral. Hashtag believe all scientists, right? Because, you know, science never changes. By definition of science, guys, in case all, all you, I, I have a science degree. So uh, 
you know, I, I, I science a little bit <laughs> to, to all those that, uh, that always love the, the throughout it's science and it, it's the science is, uh, it's, it's done, right? The science is over. It's already spoken for the science is out. It's complete. Um, science by the definition is never complete. Sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble. Science is constantly changing. Science is the process. <laughs> it's the process of taking like a, 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 a hypotenuse or, or an idea or something that you know and, and working it out to completion forever, almost forever in, in reality. So science will always change. Science will always get different. Science will always be better. As we learn more, science will change. Sorry, sorry to burst your bubble. Science is never done. Science is never over. Science is never a fact unless it becomes a law, unless it becomes a scientific law. Any scientific theory is just that. It's a theory. Okay, so unless it's a law, laws don't change, right? And they can very, very seldom, very rare a law will change. A scientific law forever, scientific theory, aka climate change, climate change is real. How it happens or who's the cause of it is a scientific theory. Sorry, it's real life. Sorry to burst your bubble. Um, uh, initial symptoms include a high fever, sore throat, body aches and a headache. So basically everything I just had or any kind of flu you get to this day, uh, vomiting and diarrhea was sometimes present. Many people recovered, then relapsed with much more severe respiratory symptoms, including pulmonary uh, hemorrhage. Efforts were made to produce a vaccine, but these were ineffective at the time. Um, the disease moved quickly, causing economic disruption, but left as quickly as it came typically exhausting itself within a single community within just a few weeks. Um, the pandemic was largely forgotten, and more than a decade would pass before the isolation of the influ uh, influenza virus, before we even knew what it was. We had the Asian flu in 1956 and 1958, and this was a pandemic outbreak of uh, influenza A of the H2N2 subtype. Excuse me. That originated in China, obviously, in 1956 and lasted until 1958. Um, in its two-year spree, Asian flu traveled from the Chinese province of um, Gizhu to Singapore, Hong Kong, and then to the United States. Estimates for the death toll, um, they vary depending on the source, but the World Health Organization places the final tally at approximately 2 million deaths. 69,800 of those in the U.S. alone. Um, we had another flu pandemic of 1968 because the flu don't fucking play, guys. Um, a Category 2 flu pandemic, sometimes referred to as the Hong Kong flu. Um, the 1968 flu pandemic was caused by the H3N2 strain of influenza A virus, which is basically just a genetic offshoot of the H2N2 subtype, and we still hear about that H2N2 popping up every once in a while. Um, bird flu, I believe, was H2N2. Uh, from the first reported case uh, on July 13, 1968 in Hong Kong, it took only 17 days before outbreaks of the virus were reported in Singapore and Vietnam, and within three months had spread to the Philippines, India, Australia, Europe, and once again, the United States. Welcome to free trade. Um, while the 1968 pandemic had a comparatively low mortality rate, only 0.5%, it still resulted in the deaths of more than a million people, including 500,000 residents of Hong Kong, or approximately 15% of its population at the time. Uh, the last, the last but not least, um, 
we have the H HIV AIDS, right? And that's started in 1981, continues to this day. Um, the most significant pandemic of our time, my lifetime, I was born in 1982, um, is AIDS and HIV. Now, AIDS was first identified in 1981. It was, at the time, always lethal. In total, over the course of um, this epidemic, around 70 million people have been infected with HIV, and around 35 million people have died. Um, by 1983, scientists have identified the link between HIV and AIDS, recognizing that HIV actually caused AIDS. The number of infections um, increased quickly starting in 1981, and it peaked in 1997. Um, I was a freshman in high school, I believe, in 1997 when this was peaking. So this is real life for this is real life for a lot of uh, my generation growing up. Was man, are you gonna are you gonna catch AIDS? Man, you're gonna get AIDS. Like definitely when we were little kids, with sports and shit, you were always worried about getting a cut. Like that was a real thing for us. Um, uh, a, uh, AIDS related deaths peaked in the mid 2000s. Um, and HIV is spread through sexual contact, intravenous drug use, and from uh, mother to child. So it, it can be passed through birth. Um, today, access to uh, anti-retroviral um, uh, therapies can reduce the risk of AIDS-related deaths. Many people can live healthy lives for many years uh, with these therapies. And approximately 39% of those infected with HIV do take such medications. Uh, in addition... The reduced viral load associated with these medications lowers the risk of transmission. Uh, unfortunately, three out of five people infected do not have access to these life-saving medications. Without treatment, HIV eventually damages and destroys the body's immune system. The global pandemic has been largely controlled in many parts of the developed world um, with reductions uh, in new infections and in deaths from AIDS-related cases. Today, though, the most significant toll is still in sub-Saharan Africa, where two-thirds of new infections in 2014 occurred in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, in addition, these are the populations least likely to have access to the anti-retroviral uh, anti drug therapies. Uh, in sub-Saharan Africa, more than one out of every 25 people, guys or 4.7 of the population is infected with HIV. Could you imagine? All right, guys, that's all I got for you. Um, I know this was a little shorter of an episode, not too much shorter, but a little bit shorter of an episode today. Uh, I do apologize, not going to lie. Like I said or at the beginning, I, don't, I, I, didn't, I didn't put much time into it. Um, hope it was okay um, with being sick and all my fancy football drafts. I mean, it is what it is. I will be back next week, though. Um, and that's either going to be a current events episode or or I may do something just a little bit different. I have an idea. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to see how it comes out. So I, I don't really know if, if, I, if I'll do it or not. It's really going to depend on how it how it works and how it turns out. Um, but I might stream. So we have we have the next Democratic primary debate. It's only one night instead of two. There's a, there's the top 10 guys um, the polling or I have I think it's 300 or it's 130. Man, it might be 130, 130,000 individual donations or 2% in four major polls or something like that um, made it to this debate. So it's only one night. We're, we're going to get to see the big, the big dogs going head to head. We're going to get to see uh, um, 
uh, Joe Biden and his gaffes. You know, who knows what that joker is going to say. We got uh, going against uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren, who I believe has the most um, momentum right now. She's she's the only one, dude. She's She has the most life, the most energy. Um, she has plans in place. I'm not going to lie, dude. She's the most, she seems to be the most prepared, the most ready for this job of all the candidates in my, in my personal opinion, from, from what I've been watching, um, you got Bernie, you got Bernie, obviously. And, and, uh, it looks like Elizabeth and Bernie right now are pulling pretty much head to head. Um, and they equal about as much as Joe Biden, but Joe Biden is a slipping, bro. That dude just cannot get on track. He's slipping. Um, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, um, Beto will be there. Um, and, and a couple extra, but those are the main ones right now. Oh, 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 oh uh, uh, um, Budacek, he'll be there. And oh, Andrew Wang. And let's be real, by Andrew Wang, guys. Andrew Wang, a dark hitter. That dude's the smartest guy on that stage, uh, bar none. No question about it. The most intelligent. Um, and I kind of like Andrew Wang. I don't, I don't, I, um, I don't really believe in uh, wealth distribution, obviously, and because I'm a libertarian, I obviously don't believe in, um, um, uh, income, uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, uh, I don't know the fucking the term they're using. Um, but where everyone gets an income, annual, annual income, right? I, I be something, whatever the fuck they're calling it. But he wants to basically just give everyone a thousand dollars a month. Uh, I like the idea. I like the way he's wording it. If you listen to like him on Joe Rogan, he worded it real. I, I like the way he was calling it a dividend. He was calling it a dividend sim- similar to how, um, Alaska gets a dividend for their oil because the people own it. So it's a div- dividend on technology. The people technically own the, the. he's c- kind of saying like we, the people own the interlac- intellectual um, technology ideas, you know, passed down from time to, from, from generation to generation. Therefore, we should receive a dividend since uh, the country's making money on it. And in that aspect, the way it, that's the way, I mean, I, 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 it won't work. It's too, if you do the math, it's just crazy. But um, it, it's, I like the I like the way he put it, and to be honest with you, he he uh, he's just intelligent and he's smart, and uh, he I like his answers. So uh, I like Andrew Wang. Andrew Wang, you throw him on my list. Um, also, you know uh, I'm a Tulsi Gabbard kind of kind of guy uh, on the Democrat side right now. But uh, so what basically what I'm going to do is um, they they have their debate on September 12th, and I'm, I'm I might do a live stream of that. I'm going to do a live stream. Um, I'll have it going through my computer or through my phone, either way, into my board. You know where where we get those uh where we get that good sound effects coming through, so I can play the entire. I can actually play the entire thing through my board. I can turn the. I can turn it down a little bit. I can pause it and, and then can pick it back up. But I want to give live commentary, so I'm I'm, I'm going to stream that with my live commentary, which will be my libertarian view of what they're saying, uh, just off the cuff. So I have no research. I'll have nothing with me but my brain and my wits. So um, that might be very interesting. Might be a good t- uh, good episode. I'm gonna try that out. We'll see see how that see how that comes out. Um, so basically, like you'll hear the audio of the debate, and uh, we'll discuss it in real time. Um, but you guys know me. The schedule is always TB, uh, TBD to be determined in this bitch. Uh, all right, that's all I got, guys. Enjoy your football football Sunday. Um, have a good week. Stand your grind. Stand your hustle. Love hard and live free. Remember that the world is full of good people. If you can't find one, be one. I'll catch you on the flip side. You have just witnessed the lyrical stylistics of chromatic distortion.